If it's not something, yes. it's something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so we are live, and I have godly men about me. And I assume in a moment or two, oh, there's the Martin family listening in. God bless you. I am praying for Mr. Martin, who is tired. But, you know, I'm going to talk to him about being tired, just not uh, on the air. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Scott, let's talk. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. All right, so uh, tonight is Defending Our Worldview Lesson 2, and we're talking about toxic masculinity. I had a couple of moments to uh, spend talking with my son-in-law at the gym about this, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about where we're going. So we open up with uh, uh, just a review of our worldview on this topic. So, Gregory, we talked about it. So, you're thinking we agree with toxic masculinity. Expand a bit. From my understanding yeah. of that term, sure, it is which is a problem, right? We've, which is we've got problem. to define things, sure, right? And the my understanding of it is it is a term that labels the behavior of men that oversteps their place in the world I like basically that. sure yeah. uh, I know that sounds very PC but it's it's basically when guys just act like jerks and think they can take advantage of any woman or anybody because they're men and they're masculine ah, yeah and we agree that's inappropriate we agree that's inappropriate Joshua toxic masculinity where are you, where are you sitting on this I read a really good article on this topic okay yeah I read 19 yeah um <laughs> Well, I only didn't read one. Um, but in this particular one, um, I don't know, Carm website? I'm not so familiar with that one. But anyways, a really interesting uh, by Matt Slick. His commentary, though, was to say that the issue is not so much that the things targeted by the term toxic masculinity mm-hmm. are defensible. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, acting like a jerk, being super aggressive, violent, overly sexual, all those types of things are bad. No sure. one would disagree with that. Sure. Um, the problem is that we're calling it toxic masculinity. Okay. It should be toxic behavior. It should be toxic okay. humanity. Okay, so so I, I like where you're going. You seem to be distinguishing between this toxic behavior and you sort of leaving masculinity out of it. How would you then define masculinity? What's, what's up with that? Well, I think masculinity are at, at its core are things that are stereotypically associated with men not every man is masculine. i think that's why we call it masculinity right okay. right yeah and these are t- these are things that in the extreme get la- the, the toxic label okay. a lot of times okay so give me some masculine things that could be toxic but with self-control might be Valuable to society. Uh, okay, how about ambition? Okay. So um, there's a man sitting to my right who wakes up long before the sun in order to do extra work Scary. to earn extra money for his family yes. so that he doesn't have to stay late at work taking time away from his family. He is ambitious. He's ambitious. That's a, and that's obviously a very good thing. Yes. That's so, contrasted with the workaholic who is only ambitious for other, you know, perhaps maybe not nefarious reasons, maybe they are, but I I mean, at the very least is extreme. And we would, I got you, stand by. So the workaholic 
wouldn't necessarily be harmful to people perhaps outside his family, but we wouldn't necessarily call that toxic masculinity, but it's certainly a, a good trait of masculinity that's gone overboard, yes? Absolutely. Okay. This is great, and I was going to add on to another one that I feel like gets used a lot is the word you are used, and that's aggression. Yeah. Mm. That is a good thing in the right context. Oh, so it's give me a, a good give thing. Give me a context controlled. where it's good when a man is aggressive. Come on. When you're trying to remove a motor out of a driveway. <laughs> yeah. You went, <laughs> like, like I was just doing before I got here. Yeah. It requires like aggressive movement yes. when you're trying to change a tire. Sure. When you are even even in chopping the, a tree. Yeah, in the in, in a lot of manual labor, but I mean take that to a, a an even more protective context, and that's war. Sure. Right? The idea of men going to war is it's good that men have an aggressive streak so yes. that they can fight for the freedom, fight to protect their family. Yes. Uh, then when it's used outside of that context. All right. So, or, or to the extreme, as Joshua was pointing out, right? Because even in war, we we actually try and and put away people who take aggression too far, sure. even in the context of war. So and war think, crimes. And, and one exactly. of the problems I think you have a lot of times is context. Because to your point about war, what's one of the biggest struggles for a lot of veterans when they come out of a war zone? Turning they, it off. Turning it off. To know how to process it. I mean, this is even true in uh, more violent sports like football. You know, sometimes you'll see a, a football player get in trouble for some sort of physical attack or whatever else, and they'll say, "Well, he didn't know how to turn it off." Sure. And so it's not. It's not. And obviously, it's not a bad thing on the football field. That's not depending on if you football. But the point is sure. that um, the the world praises that aggression in the right context. Absolutely. So, in in the context of someone coming at, if you will, our wives, our children. I think most of society would expect, in the context of the concert B-flat family, mom, dad, kid or two, that it's the dad that would protect the family. So this masculine trait of aggressiveness or pump that chest out and protect the family is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -mm. But that context is very good. In fact, one would argue, if he doesn't do that, most of the world would look down upon him for not protecting his mm -hmm. family. Well, and 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 to and I think that one of the things we lose track of in today's modern non-agrarian, non-hunter society, right. um, which, by the way, I'm a very happy part of that society. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. But um, is that the reason why we associate traits with masculinity is because they come from the physiological features of being a man. Sure. So aggression and related traits like ambition or other types of things, Strength. risk taking, comes from testosterone. It's what is it's a it's a side effect of that there hormone. So. One of the, uh, for those of you who listen online and, uh, and haven't had a chance to listen to lesson one, um, it's rare that I can actually, you know, catch my son-in-law Joshua off guard. And I think I caught you last week uh, when we did our final spar and I brought up the idea that, you know, with, with regard to feminism and patriarchy and so forth, that it would be 
um, totally inappropriate in my mind that a man thinking and identifying as a woman would be in any type of athletic contest with other women because by definition he's robbing them because of what you just said mm. of the opportunity to, to to fairly have a chance to win because men by definition by God's design if you will are stronger and have that testosterone and the, mu and the muscles and so forth so it's it's extraordinarily difficult for a woman to fight or to be physically uh, uh, at odds with a man, which is why rape can happen. Right. And it can happen easily unless a woman has the opportunity through some other means to equal the odds. And, and we may get into um, other opportunities to do that and uh, in another I, I think class. That, I think that physical element is exactly why if you study... Um, you know, kind of a Judeo-Christian approach to masculinity, it oftentimes does not emphasize these traditional masculine traits because for most of history, those were assumed. Exactly so right. So you what your concern would be is really people overemphasizing them or taking them out of the right context or whatever. Sure. So we have lots of lessons on keeping your temper and being gentle and being kind and loving and sure. all these different types of things to kind of rein in that very natural testosterone. In our modern society, however, we find that I believe that actually um, the exact opposite is happening. Our men are being bombarded, our young men are being bombarded every single day about, um, this article is reading, they point out like men are stupid, men are blunt, men are too mean, men are hard. There's Gillette ads talking about basically how in order to be a real man, you gotta be like high pitched and kind of, you know. Eh. Yeah, that's that's a real man now because anything other than that is just mean, exactly. bad, it's a bully. And, and, and so when you get that, that, the problem is that the church, I would say, the church is, is stuck in the 1950s, and they haven't realized that the world is attacking masculinity in a way that their messages that were intended to curb excesses in masculinity are now actually feeding into the same message yeah. that the secular world is giving, it's that fueling. being masculine is bad. It's fueling that. I agree with you, and uh, you know, I didn't even think about the, the church doing that. Um, but I'm so glad you brought up the fact that there seems to be a dichotomy between what is masculine and good and true and accepted. And I closed uh, um, our conversation last class with the fact that the fact that from a patriarchal perspective, the fact that God is depicted as a man or in a masculine character. Um, has taught generations of males that to be compassionate and loving is part of being masculine. Mm -hmm. it's a, it is a good thing. So anyway, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna add on to Joshua's point. I feel like there's just a more wide divide between the extremes of masculinity. Whereas like the church and the, I feel like our biblical worldview would support a balanced man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To Joshua's point, you have either pansies that can't hold their own at all yes. or you have the extreme of like really sick men out there right now Good. who are who Good. just are taking things way too far i mean 
I, I don't oh. know any statistics, but you so, think so, about like sex crimes and, and all the horrible things that sure. the men are capable sure. of right sure. now. So, so it's, and it's just it's going two opposite directions. Exactly. So, would you call that direction that to to what was your right, which I guess would be left? But anyway, would you would you call that toxic? Yes. It's it's actually poisoning. It's causing a problem. For the society, yes? Yes. Okay, so that is what we'll call toxic masculinity. Those that are taking normal biological drives and inherent things and taking them completely out of context. Here's an example. Um, I wear blue jeans and, and a t-shirt most of the time. If I gotta go see clients, I'm wearing blue jeans and a, and a crisp white long sleeve shirt. And when I go see my clients, I'm wearing a handgun. Big Second Amendment advocate, everybody knows that, and my clients know that. And, you know, it's no big deal. And there's never anything said about it after the first time or two that I come to visit. I think anybody who knows me knows that I'm kind, gentle, and send cry on, you know, in emotional movies more than most sob comes <laughs> sob comes to mind but i i won't uh, i won't go further than that but uh, you know the guys sitting around the table probably know that um if it involves you know a dad and his little girl there it is yeah, yeah. you know we're weeping <laughs> so i say that um so that i get as many cards and letters from other women as, no i'm only kidding <laughs> um i only say that because i think that while we would all agree that that's true I think that the men at this table know that I don't wear a handgun to look cool, although it does really look cool. I actually wear a handgun because I'm prepared at any time and practice to be prepared at any time to use deadly force if necessary to protect those around me, those I love, and those that need protecting. I'm prepared, perhaps, Gregory, correct me now if I'm wrong, to become toxic in my masculinity. So what do you think of that? Is, that? is that really what I'm doing? Am I getting toxic in my masculinity if I'm ready to pull a firearm on a guy who's about to rape my daughter? How do you, how do you describe that? There is nothing toxic about that because it's in the right context. That is exactly what you as a father are called to do. That's exactly okay. what you as a man okay. is called to do. I mean, I was just reading, you know, in... Uh, the book of Nehemiah, when, mm -hmm. when they're, they're got their sword right there as they're rebuilding things, right? And I mean, that, that's the idea. They're ready to hand. protect those mm -hmm. around them. Okay. It's simultaneous protection, right? There's the protection of the rebuilding of the wall sure. while they're also protecting themselves against possible ambush sure. and whatnot. Sure. But that, that is clear in Scripture that it's important to step up in a context like that. I think, and additionally, even if you took the Bible out of it, the fact that our state would recognize your act in that moment as not only a lawful act, but a dutiful act, says something about the fact that it isn't toxic. In fact, okay. it is a wonderful, heroic demonstration of the biology of you as a man. Okay, I, I appreciate that. Um, and and I, I think we agree. Yeah. Well, you're... You're looking 
at others and how you can help others. Mm -hmm. Where I think toxic, the guy's looking at himself and all about himself. Introspective deal. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Um, And and in fact, uh, that probably causes much of the neurosis that causes them, I'm Mm -hmm. not getting the attention I need. I'm right. not wanted, I'm not needed, and so forth. Yeah, sure. That's and I, think that, I like that. You know, and, and kind yeah. of along that lines, and just in general, I know Rabbi Foreman in his book, The Beast That Crouches at the Door, he talks about the fact that the Yetzirah, the, the evil inclination, so to speak, is not actually evil. Right. Um, it's actually really a label that's given to the very natural drives and passions that are in humans. And what do we need to do with those natural drives and passions? We have to channel them in the right direction. And so he says, like, you know, if you, in fact, that, this, that he's even quotes from the uh, rabbinic sources that say that if there was no Yetzirah, there would be no industry, there would be no business, there would be no, you know, creation, because we have no drive. And it's like, so it's like to take it out is, is, is not good. Whereas like men and women, you have these natural drives, but they have to be put in the right direction. This is true in all contexts. It's true in things that are not um, gender specific, like, you know, like hunger, for example. So you're hungry, you eat. Well, if you eat too much, it's gluttony, true. right? True. That's not related to gender. That's just related to controlling yourself. Anything out of balance. The same thing is true with your drives that come from what hormones you have in your body. If your drive is to be aggressive and you channel that in the right way... That's good, you and know. We call that a U.S. Marine. We call it, yeah, or you know, <laughs> what I did at the gym this morning. That's right. You know, that's good. Yeah, and um, and that helps us become better humans, take better care of the people around us, and make the world a better place. Amen. And the irony is, when we come at it from the opposite perspective, Jordan Peterson in um in one of his books, he talks about this idea that that when you attack masculinity as an entity rather than simply targeting its excesses, the irony is you actually end up um. You either destroy the good that comes from that, or in some cases you actually enhance the evil. Going back to what Greg was talking about, you know, he mentioned the fact that you know um, that whether well, not necessarily always evil, but like um, like for example, the rise in a lot of European countries and even the United States of much more um, uh, aggressive right wing kind of governments and things, um, in large part stems he thinks partly from the fact there's a lot of men out there that just have. Yeah. They're so tired of being put down and beat up as a man. Right. They want to see men who are like really, really, really tough and intense being their leaders yeah. because they, um, they're pushing back somehow. So to Greg's point, I think you do also get that expressed in the other direction. You get men like the nut job who shot up people in Dayton or one in El Paso who they're, uh, I'm not saying that they're reacting to attacks on masculinity in general, but I think that that kind of mindset does make sense they, in that regard, not make sense in reality. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that like, They've been att- they, they, they feel like no one stands up for what's right, so they think they have to. And, of course, they do it in a horrific and terrible way. Right, which bears little fruit. Whereas if you were to channel it appropriately, if let's say, on, on the contrary, you had appropriately raised this country to know how to handle firearms, those which, two guys... Which we did until about 19... Those two guys would have been bleeding out on the ground before they killed anybody That's else. That's exactly right. All right, so before we... Uh, move into a Second Amendment free-for-all. Yes, sir. Just, I, I appreciated Joshua bringing up the church, too, because in your research... Yeah, that, that did caught you, me. <laughs> did it come up at all? Did you see any of those Art of Manliness articles about masculinity? Because that was very interesting. It was, just to summarize very quickly, there was some studies Art of done... Artofmanliness.com. Yeah. 
Well, there were some studies done, and there was this odd discrepancy in only one religion when it came to a gender discrepancy, and that was Christianity. Right. Almost all the other religions in the world were roughly 50-50, men versus and women, whereas it was about equally split for the people that would call themselves of that religion. But it was actually quite divergent in Christianity. There was a lot more women yes. that would call themselves Christians sure. than men were. And long and, story short... And, and the, just let me insert right now that most of the time, the people that come to visit Bellatora are the women. Yeah. And you ask them, I mean, the last three visitors, I mean, just in most recent memory, were all women. Some with children, some without. But they're all like by themselves. But they're married. So where's your husband? Right. Well, he wanted me to check this out. He wanted you to check this out? Now, I remember the last time a single guy representing a family, married man, rep married person representing a family, showed up to check this out. And it was Greg Upley. Oh, yeah. And he checked it out. He came twice. And then he brought his whole family. And of late, and most of the time, it's women. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I so the, the the articles, multiple articles, basically try to break down like what what caused this. Where where did this start happening? And one of the indicators, among many, were the bent of the church towards. And to your point, not even intentionally trying to feed this secular idea of like demasculizing men but like the the teachings just all of a sudden started really to become around more of like the bride and more of just like this feminine language and painting jesus as this kind person who would never hurt a fly and just like the sweetest of men the kind of man you would want to marry you know and it was great to see a even i don't know if the writer of this was a christian or not but he pointed out you go through the gospels and anyone who isn't looking at it through a skewed lens he'd go this guy is a man's man. He was even pointing out the language Yeshua uses. He's, you know, it wasn't like when he went and made a disciple of someone, it'd be like, I have this idea and I just want to pitch this to you. Let me know if, if you'd like me. to come. No, it was literally, follow me. <laughs> that was it. And he turns around and starts walking away. And he starts walking away. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he had multiple examples like that of just, Yeshua was a strong man and it's unfortunate that those traits aren't painted in the right light yeah, to inspire right. more yeah. men to be that way because the alternative when you don't paint it that way when you paint it as too soft men reject that it's not natural to cool. be attracted to so, a wimpy kind of guy so what is the number one response bellatora has had from all almost bar none, the women that have visited our congregation. I love the way the men are involved. It appears the men are taking responsibility for worship. They're taking responsibility for their families and so on. This is what we hear. This is the feedback, which of course causes my wife to say, um, Where's your husband? <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to go down that path with you. I think that you're talking about, and I'm not trying to attack, not trying to attack the church too much, but I just think it's, it's something that I grew up in, and it is that tendency to want to undercut masculine traits 
not again, not necessarily intentionally, but just the way the language they're using. Yeah, sure. I mean, how many songs do we sing when we're talking about being the bride of Christ, right? right. And it's like there's all this feminine language, and we're reading some songs and whatever else. And as a result, I think to your point, not only are men discouraged from participating, and I mean from attending or being a part, but also I think they're discouraged from participating. They're not they're not valued as men, so they don't right. see a place for them and a role for them. And the reality is, unfortunately, one of I think a very masculine trait, ironically enough. Is so women, I believe, tend to fill vacuums where they're where they exist. Of course, they step in because they don't want something to be empty. Like men, on the other hand, I think, ironically true. enough, a lot of men—not all men, but I think a lot of men—have the opposite mm-hmm. tendency. That if someone's going to take the lead, fine, you can do it. I don't want it. Now, if no one's there, then I think I think men maybe more tendency to take step up. But like, if someone else wants to step in, that's cool. I'm good with that, especially Absolutely. the modern man. Absolutely. And unfortunately, in a society now where we're where we have um, where we have discouraged men from being men, and we have um, sometimes, I wouldn't say always put women in like roles that men should have. That's not the way I'm phrasing it. But we've encouraged women to the degree where they are stepping into those roles. Men feel like they're they're just not needed, so they just, they don't care. Right. And you know, the, my wife pointed this out the other day. So it's so incredibly crazy that when a man is aggressive, ambitious, assertive. That's toxic. When a woman is aggressive and assertive and ambitious, that's a hero. That's the kind of woman we all want to be. She's a modern woman. Ooh, yeah, we can do it. And it's like, why is that not... That should be good for the goose for the gander here. Amen. Okay. So, great conversation and discussion. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to give you uh, five bullet points. I need thumbs up verbally or thumbs down. Agree? Not agree. I'm trying to describe now our worldview with regard to toxic masculinity. Number one, men and women are created differently, both physically and emotionally. Agree? Disagree. Agree. I got three thumbs up. Number two, God gives humans differing roles based on gender. Agree. To your point last week, which led to this week. Oh, yes. well, and, and in that regard, a lot of these attributes that maybe masculine a woman can certainly have, oh, for sure. should have in, for sure. in a lot of cases, but yes. it just may be channeled. Exactly right. And it may be lesser. It may be only needed. For, I mean, we just gave a, uh, I thought, a pretty good example of a masculine man because we can't have feminine men. Okay? A masculine man stepping up and wanting to defend his family, his wife, his children from some type of assault. It's certainly appropriate for a woman to do that. Mama bear will tear your eyes out. Oh yeah. I mean, right? You know, yeah. it's it's normal. It's okay this kind of right caring. Right. A love that will sacrifice. Will fight for that which is love is not bad. Nor I believe is it feminine or masculine. It's just that if you got both feminine and masculine together, available to fight, one would think the masculine would take the lead because he's built to be a better fighter. Okay, so three, patriarchy preserves society. Yes. Agree. Yes. I got three thumbs up that patriarchy and the concept of men leading, taking that I would say God-given role, but don't want to push it, is going to cause 
betterment of society than if there's no men to do that. To that point, I believe it was you that gave me an excellent piece of marriage advice, and it was that a husband's role is to create security for his wife. And so when you blow that out to a macro level for an entire society, that's exactly what makes a well-functioning society. Amen. When there are men in place Amen. that create security for everyone else. Right, whether it's physical, financial, emotional, whatever. Exactly. And the irony is that um, along those lines, something you see in some of the secular stuff isn't all like off on that regard. Like the Gillette ads, what they, what they did do that wasn't entirely bad is they had men standing up to other men saying, hey, that's not okay. Right. So that's exactly what men should be doing. You know who the best person is to stand up to a really aggressive, inappropriate man? Another man. Another man. Amen. Now, if the, the problem, though, that you find is that when the other men don't step up, then we have evil men running them up and doing so, whatever they want. So where's the problem? Is it with the man who's, I'm going to say, toxic at that point? Or is really the problem, I'm going to call it the lack of masculinity, in the ones that don't step up. Well, I mean, if you think about, like, you know, it's a, the, uh, was it Flight 93? They, uh, the, so the terrorists oh, take sure. over the plane. And sure. that's example, that, that is toxic masculinity, right? You got terrorists who are up there trying to fly airplanes into buildings of innocent people. So you're saying that terrorists are, are exemplifying toxic masculinity. There we go. But then, so masculinity but who steps under up? control. Then, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately, but yeah, let's roll. Yeah, and it's he, a man who's, who's nudging everybody saying, hey, there's 80-something passengers on this plane, and there's four bad guys. And he convinced several men to step up with him. And in the end, the plane ended up crashing. But yes, they saved did. who knows how many lives in the process. And died doing it. So that's exactly what the heroes look like. Yes. I mean, if you throughout history, when you see... I think this country is an excellent example. This country was um, being led by a dictator king across the ocean, and our rights were being trampled, and they were trying to take more. And a handful of men stood up and said, no, I am going to stand up for my family, and I'm going to, I'm going to defend my people, and we're going to fight for what we think is ours. Our sacred honor, our, yeah. our, you know, and all that. Um, and there were women uh, who were involved, but it was the men who took the lead. Uh, amen. And I, and I don't want to... For those that may be sensitive to the lack of comment on women, you're right. It was men who fought. It could not have been done, if you're a student of history, without the women supporting those men as well. Absolutely. But you're exactly right. It was the men who stood up. Well, and I think, you know, think about the Bible. So we were talking earlier about scripture and Christianity. And so no, no, hang on. I think you're jumping oh. ahead. Okay. I'm not ready for scripture yet. I've got two more. So men and women are created differently, both physically and emotionally. I got thumbs up all around. God gives humans differing roles based on gender. I also got thumbs up yes. all around. Patriarchy preserves society. I got thumbs up all around. Men are prone to sin. Yes. Yes. I want to say so are women, but yes. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Good. Uh, maybe humans are prone to sin would be better. But my point is that men are prone to sin, since we're talking about toxic 
masculinity. And then finally, from a worldview, again, a worldview perspective, men and fathers are necessary role models. Oh, huge. Oh, yes. yes. Wow. Yes. In fact, it's not, even, it's not even a matter of religion. If you go into like economic statistics and so forth, they talk about like growing up in a, in a home without a father. Your host. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think we understand our worldview. Uh, so far, and, and if you're if you're not following along online um, with where we're coming from, we're not trying to put down women in any way here. We're trying to uh, define the role of a man in a in a masculine sense that is governed by self-control, but yet is going to use that testosterone as necessary to preserve and protect society and his family. Right. Does that work? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've got four points of background on toxic masculinity from the culture that I'd like us to just chit-chat about real quick. Number one, and it's a long quote, but I think it's worth it. The American Psychological Association has warned that traditional masculine ideology, traditional masculine Ideology. I would assume that traditional is just focused right to the Bible because our heritage as Americans is biblical, both Judeo and Christian. And prior to that, those traditions were consistent all the way back to Sparta in 300, right? So the American Psychological Association has warned that traditional masculine ideology is associated with negative effects on mental and physical health. It continues. <laughs> Men who adhere you, to traditional masculine cultural norms, <laughs> such as risk-taking, violence. I saw you punching that bag this morning. Dominance. Primary, primacy of work. Need for emotional control, desire to win, and pursuit of social status tend to be more likely to experience psychological problems such as depression, stress, body image problems, substance abuse, and poor social functioning. What mm. say you, man? Yeah, LeBron James, Joe Montana, <laughs> Michael Jordan. They definitely, they, they're such sad, Depressed. sad people. <laughs> Stress, body image problems. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing it. Can you flip it and give me the other side? Why do they say that? What causes them to come to this conclusion other than a desire to destroy? They're the afraid. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of the extreme. And I think that the tendency in... I'm just going to put it all in a bucket here, but the tendency of the liberal mindset is if that they believe that humans can't really control their extremes. Okay. So when they're afraid of an extreme, they believe that you have to put in, it's almost like you throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. It's like oh, you put yeah. a real control in. So guns can be used by bad people. So ban all guns. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you, and, and I can work with it. So let me devil's advocate just to spar a little bit. Um, why are almost all, if not all, mass shooters masculine. And don't they 
have justification to be concerned and afraid of this masculinity? Well, I think the issue, again, goes back to the extremes or excesses of it. So um, the masculinity that, you're, that they're attacking here um, would unfortunately get, do away with the police officers that took out the guy in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would do away with the, uh, the people who tried to stop either mass shootings in the past or terror okay. attacks or whatever I, it might I'm be. With you. I love that. So it sounds almost, I, mean, I know you're not, but it sounds like this toxic masculinity that this sh- these mass shooters are exhibiting, you're also applying to the first responders. I don't think no. so. How would you describe the masculinity that was displayed, fortunately, Heroic by those first responders? Ah, so tell me, what's the difference, Gregory, between heroic masculinity and toxic masculinity? I really appreciated Joe's response, where one is completely self-absorbed and the other is completely selfless. Okay. It's putting others above your own safety and yourself. um, I'm reminded of uh, Rabbi Gimpel. When he was here, we were talking about firearms. Shocker. And uh, he said, you, you Americans are just a little bit different than us. When we hear gunfire, we run towards it. When you hear gunfire, you run away from it. I got to tell you, as a toxic masculine, I felt like a weenie. And I'm trying to train men to be physically and uh, from a firearms perspective, trained to run towards those sounds. But the, the attributes that you listed from the American Psychological Association as being bad yes. are, I would say, basically the driving forces behind pretty much every successful businessman Every successful politician, male or female for that matter, every successful athlete, every successful person, really. I mean, almost none of those traits were, in, actually any of those traits were inherently bad. Exactly. And most of them, I don't really know, like, like you have kind of a sick person to, to make some of them bad. I mean, some of them are actually more good than bad most of the time. So we want to go on record now and say that uh, Joshua thinks the American Psychological Association. <laughs> yeah, okay. We won't go further. I can't disagree with you. All right, number two. Toxic masculinity refers to, again now, traditional cultural masculine norms that can be harmful to men, women, and society overall. Harmful effects of conformity to certain traditional masculine ideal behaviors, such as dominance, self-reliance, and competition. Now, i got to tell you, Joe, if it comes to wearing a black T-shirt and looking cool, you and I are going to compete. And it doesn't matter whether you walk in thinking we're going to compete or not. We're going to compete. Why? Because we're men. So, Gregory, self-reliance? Um, I heard about this guy, and you know he's a homeowner. And his dryer breaks down. So instead of looking in the Juanes for a dryer or looking online for sales, he's on YouTube looking 
for how to take the darn thing apart and fix it. What do you think about self-reliance, Gregory? Well, similar to the other traits that were described, it doesn't seem like an inherently masculine trait and therefore a trait needing to be demonized. It's really about the, the context again, because self-reliance is an incredibly important trait, especially when it comes to survival. There's countless stories of women who endured unthinkable things to come out triumphant and they were absolutely self-reliant. And very, and that helped them to to get out of to certain overcome. situations. Exactly. Right, so, 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 so is, is self-reliance bad? I well, I can't. The I would almost say it's necessary to psychological health. How can you make it in this world unless at some point you're like, I'm going to suck this up and I'm going to yeah drive on. Okay. Number three. There, there, you can tell with a lot of these that there isn't an alternative given. Right. It's just, no, no, you're, you're exactly right. And, and that's what I noticed as well. Throughout all of these, it's like, this is bad. Right. Well, what's the alternative? Cheap. And I can tell you what the alternative is. No matter how you paint it, no matter what words you describe it with, it's feminine. The alternative to toxic masculinity is to make masculine men feminine. Mm -hmm. With the, I think, the ultimate goal, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that everyone who says this is thinking this, but the ultimate goal is uh, you make people sheep. Yeah. The government can, or whoever else Anybody can control can just control everybody. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. But really, that's, that's where it goes. It's, you won't stand up for what you believe because... Number three, feminist author John Stoltenberg has argued that, as a direct quote, all, maybe you didn't get that, all traditional notions of masculinity are toxic and ultimately reinforce the oppression of women. What say you? Yeah. All, everything that you are, Joe, is toxic and ultimately reinforces the oppression of women. Think your wife would agree with that? No. So, what do we do with that? Besides, put our heads down and shake back and forth. I get it. But, where is this coming from? We're, we're looking at worldview. That's our whole concept tonight, right? Our worldview says that men and women are created differently, both physically and emotionally. We've got different roles. Patriarchy is important. Men are prone to sin, but fathers are necessary role models. So where does uh, John Stoltenberg, where's it coming from? It seems like he is just really reaching for an explanation as to why men would exhibit oppressive behavior towards a woman because on the surface you would think like what what's a matthew that is not a courageous thing that's not a heroic thing it's basically the concept of picking on someone that's smaller than you okay like you as a man are going to be oppressive or aggressive against a defenseless woman like i think it, it you know if we put ourselves in his shoes it's maybe a possible 
reach of trying to respond to, well, what would make a man do that? Why inherently would you want to do something that you shouldn't do, naturally you shouldn't do? Uh, I, I know, I think you've hit on a spot there. Because I really think that this is where this stuff gets defined. We see a mass shooter kill a bunch of children. He's a guy. We see this guy take out a bunch of soldiers at Fort Hood. He's a guy. I can go on and on. I can't think of a mass shooter who is a, a woman, unless I go back to Bonnie and Clyde. And Bonnie shot more people than Clyde. So I think that it's tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not looking at this godly man who's caring for his wife and would probably, I don't know, probably take a bullet for his wife. Mm. I'm sure it would for his son. I would too. But for his wife, what? Well, actually, I would too. You'd only let him marry her. <laughs> take a bullet. <laughs> you see where I'm going. I mean, we're all willing to stand up, I think, as men. But if we, if we put the tunnel vision on with those rose-colored glasses and only look at... I'm going to say bad men. Hmm. I, th I think the problem is they don't call them bad men. Right. They just call them men. Right. Look what this man did. Rather than, isn't it a shame that our culture has allowed a man to devolve so much from true masculinity, from the true ideal of manhood, to allow this to happen? And I would argue, uh, my final point on this uh, issue, I never hear anything in the toxic masculinity discussions anywhere. I couldn't find it anywhere. Hours, days, weeks I've studied where manhood, that phrase, was associated with anything having to do with toxic masculinity. It's almost as if manhood as a thing, things that boys strive for, things that we want our sons to achieve. It's like Peter Pan. It doesn't really exist. There is no manhood. It's just bad boys and toxic masculinity. What say you? Well, I think that um, <laughs> there's a really quote in this article I read that quoted from the uh, Psychology Today. No, it's I love actually that. Yeah, a, yeah. I guess a more conservative psychological uh, publication. Slightly. Um, and I, I, this is just too good. I have to read it. And no culture ever studied have women repeatedly preferred to mate with pear-shaped, low-status, tepid men possessing high-pitched nasal voices. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> instead. Women are attracted to toxic masculine male phenotypes that correlate with testosterone and their desires of men who are socially dominant, who are strategically risk-taking in their behaviors, and who exhibit patterns of behaviors that will allow them to ascend the social hierarchy and defend their positions from encroachers. They go on to point out that, of course, women do want men who are emotionally intelligent sure, and compassionate sure, yeah, and whatever yeah. else, but then it said, think of the male archetype in romance novels. He is a tall prince and a neurosurgeon. He is a risk-taker who wrestles alligators and subdues them on his six-pack abs, and it is sensitive enough to be tamed by the love of a good woman. Bam! Wow. 
the point <laughs> being that e- the secular society actually does know what they really want in a man, and that's what do women want in a man? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point and, and a great quote. I I think most men look at the quote unquote and. and, and I don't want to use the phrase toxically, toxic masculinity uh, in, in a positive way because oh, yeah. I have a problem with toxic masculinity, right? So the man who beats his wife, the man who smacks his children, uh, the man who can't hold his temper, and I can go on and on, uh, the man who's railing his fist at his neighbor and yelling obscenities and so forth, to me this is toxic masculinity and absolutely and totally unacceptable and should be taken out and talked to by a real man. The irony is the behavior you described, it's not masculine. No. It's weak. It is. It's someone who can't control themselves. And can't sit down and and articulate a good argument as we're doing tonight. I have my fourth one because I want to, we'll run out of time. Oh, you got one more? Well, just on that point with that gentleman, I, yep. I think... I would call the, the him a man, that not you, a gentleman. Well, so the fact that you said Bad he man. was a feminist author, I think, was very telling. <laughs> because the tunnel vision that you described is looking at it through that lens yes. and that lens only. Because what, what ends up happening is the strive for equality misses the real fix. Because right now, what he's trying to address is a man devalues a woman and therefore is oppressive and aggressive towards her. But if they're equal, then that doesn't happen. Right. What happens if a man values a woman more than himself? Mm-hmm. That's the biblical mindset. Amen. Put her right? on a pedestal. Read your Proverbs 31 every Shabbat. Do whatever it takes to protect her and That's make right. sure that she is loved and cared for and physically protected. That's the opposite of oppressive. Yeah. If you read history, you will find out that that is the number one motivating factor for men, 18 if not 17 to 29, going to fight in World War II. Mm. Not because they were drafted. Some of them left beforehand. I believe it. Because that's what they had to do. But And that's what ends up happening. You miss that whenever your main focus is equality. Right. Well, and the irony and you don't is, recognize our worldview that God-given roles are different. That's right. And why would I mean? Why did God make men and women different? Right? I mean, even if they physiologically, men have testosterone as their dominant hormone, and women have estrogen. Right. That's a good thing. Yes. And when you blur that line and you try to erase that, you're actually uh, damaging the very foundation the human society is based on. It's based on both. And if you're if you find yourself doing that, you may find yourself working against the very design of God himself. I agree. And I think you're, you're going to fall short. All right, my last point uh, on the, the background of this thing. This is great. Listen to this. Traditional stereotypes. Again, traditional stereotypes of men as socially dominant, misogyny, and homophobia can be considered toxic due in part to their promotion of violence, including sexual assault and domestic violence. What do you think of that? What was the first thing on the list again? Traditional stereotypes of men as socially dominant, misogynistic, and homophobic can be considered toxic 
due in part to their promotion of violence, including sexual assault and domestic violence. So let me Wait. bring it down. He's saying traditional stereotypes of men can be considered toxic because they promote violence, including sexual assault. But the, the weird part about that was like, you know, the kid, game is a kid, you know, what's, what doesn't match here? You've got yeah. three apples and an yeah. orange. Yeah. So he lists misogyny, hatred of women, literally. Right. Okay. He lists homophobic, um, which, hatred. generally speaking, probably the bigger problem with that is hatred towards, hatred towards homosexuals. Men. Okay, other men, yes, okay, fine. And then he lists um, socially dominant. Which of these three doesn't fit here? Like, right. It's as if he's saying, if you're socially dominant, which is the part he's against, then these other things fall into that as well, and therefore, it'll promote violence, sexual assault, and domestic violence. So... There seems to be a dishonesty associated with some of this. Yeah. And my point in all this is to say, I don't know what you call tr um, toxic masculinity, and, and I don't know what you call toxic masculinity, but the issue is defining real masculinity. Right. That's the key. So where would we find that? Well, if you start with the Bible. I like the Bible. I think the Bible's a good, good idea. So um, I've got a couple here. If, if nobody's got any, I'll, I'll just kick one or two off here. I, I have I a couple too. Whenever it just jumps out to my mind, I don't know if it's necessary. Are you looking for a definition of masculinity that is uh, unique? I'm to not. Men? I'm not. What I'm what I'm looking for, and I, I just I just give you an example here um, that I thought was was a great one to start with, and that's in Deuteronomy 20. Uh, where they're, they're going to go to war. Right? Do you remember this? They're going to go to war. So the commander gets them all lined up. Mm. So uh, the officers shall speak further to the people. Well, those people are actually all men. And say, is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house. Lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. What? is not masculinity fearful faint-hearted so i don't i think toxic masculinity is something we agree with provided it's defined properly <laughs> if you've got toxic masculinity meaning that you're doing things out of the bounds of what we think is correct for a man then yeah we all agree you're toxic and some of us need to put you down and have a chat. So I don't have a problem with toxic masculinity. But if you're going to define it the way these other people defined it, I got a problem with that. So, not fearful, not faint hearted. You got another? You got one? So, David speaking to his son, this is in 1 Kings chapter 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, verses 2 and 3. He says, Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. <laughs> Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. Unless we think that that was the old way of talking and not the new way of talking. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. That one's the classic one. Act like men. Yeah. The Which one means that, that it is defined. 
and they knew what that meant. Well, and those are yeah. in definition, right? I Absolutely. Mean, these, what are the what do you see? You know what I looked it up today, just as curious. Was strong? How is it used? And be strong and courageous is a commandment given to various men over and over and over and over Joshua. again in the Bible. Hey. Not just Joshua, but yeah, right. he gets it like five times. But yeah. then also like the people yeah. that he he tells them that right. um, their men are given the same commandment. And being strong, the, the word chazak in Hebrew, I mean, it, it does care. It's strength. It's literally strength. Yeah. And then courageous uh, can sometimes be associated with like uh, being aware, being alert, being, you know, as well as I guess at your point of not being afraid. So you think about like this idea of um, this idea of, of like good masculinity. The Bible is saying that a good man is is someone who is a defender. He's someone who is strong, who's able to carry burdens, emotional, physical, whatever. And for his family, can be relied upon. Absolutely. You got one? Well, I just, the thing that jumped out to me, the reason I asked that question was because I really appreciate the end of Ecclesiastes. Mm. You know? Uh, so what is the duty of all men? Fear God and keep his commandments. Amen. And that is actually wrapped up in the advice right. given from King David. Right. And the, the context of strong and courageous... The reason that Judaism likes to add that at the end of every portion is because we need to be strong in our faith and courageous to keep the commandments That's even right. when the world isn't. That's exactly right. So it's, it's easy to keep the commandments if nobody's around. Right. It right. is tough if, nobody's, if there's people watching. Here's a good one. Again, I'm, I'm trying to focus on the nots that we might understand oh, the do's, right? Do not plan evil against your neighbor. Who dwells trustingly beside you? Wait, that's I'm I'm already blown away. He's dwelling trustingly beside. Why would he do that? Oh man, he he just assumes I'm trustworthy. He doesn't have to worry. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he's done no done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence. And do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person, the devious person, is an abomination to the Lord. But the upright are in his confidence. Wow, what? I think he just described toxic masculinity. <laughs> devious, right? Envious, contentious, planning evil. It, wait, that's a, that's a mass shooter. Yeah. There it is right there, and that was, by the way, out of Proverbs chapter 3. To, to continue that theme, yeah. I just read this the other day, 1 Corinthians 6. Uh -huh. There's a list of toxic masculinity right I like here. it. Go, go. Sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, and none of these people will inherit the kingdom. There you go. According to Paul. And the, I mean... All you have to do is flip all of those around to the positives, and you see, a, to your point, a definition of real masculinity. Generous. Someone who is giving, not stealing. Someone who takes care of his wife, doesn't go straying sure, elsewhere. Sure, yeah. Someone that is attracted to women. <laughs> right? I mean, like you, you, all you have to do yeah. is just flip those around, and yeah. you see the, the real shape of what, not only a man, but... A member of the kingdom, exactly. well, I think a soldier it, yeah. in God's own. Yeah. You know what Proverbs also talks. I believe it's Proverbs talks with the idea that like uh, the wise man, the wisdom is his strength, right? Yeah. So it's like this idea that that um, this idea that that being a man 
uh, that men somehow are, show themselves being manly by losing control, that's not real manliness at all. I mean, it takes... One would think it's somewhat toxic. It's, well, it's very it's toxic. It's a lack but it's, of self-control. It's a lack of self-control. So that's why I struggled even to call it toxic masculinity because it's like, because that's not what a real man should look like. It's right. like a real man needs to be able to uh, restrain himself first. That's where the strength starts. It starts right. on the inside and then that's it right. can express that's outside. Right. Only, right. only when it starts on the inside can it be properly expressed outside. Hey, quite frankly, who are the most impressive strong men the ones that are taunted and choose not to strike back mm. because they know right. this, this isn't even a fight. They're so beyond the pipsqueak that's coming at them. We see that with the master. Yeah. Right? And he's doesn't even the answer. They're whipping him, they're beating him, they're pulling out, you know, fistfuls of his beard. Once you tell Pilate, you can only do this because God lets you. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I got, I could just make a call. Have you got a phone, by the way? <laughs> I mean, you know, my plan is out. Yeah. Dude, anyway, when you said that, Joshua, I started thinking, like, you know, all the famous, like, overly ag- aggressive, bloodthirsty leaders, like, none of their kingdoms are around anymore. <laughs> That's right. Like, that actually That's never right. ends up it being the long-standing society at all. Right? Well, if you look at the Cold War, Right, with with Russia, Germany, and all of that, going against one of the quietest presidents we've ever had, President Reagan. Tear down this wall, and they did. Yeah, it's astonishing. All right, here's here's a good one. Just on the positive side, and uh, we'll we'll close up here in a second. He feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than I, and all its men were warriors. That's out of Joshua chapter 10. I like that. I mean, it, it's like the men at this table. You know, you just feel like, I'm with guys. Is there, is there a battle to be had? You know. David's mighty men. Yes! Well, Second Samuel chapter 17 Even the valiant men, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will utterly melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and that those who are with him are valiant men. We're describing men who are known for their courage. They're valiant men. This is great. It doesn't say that they happen to be really strong. It was their heart that was strong. And they were willing to go into battle. As opposed to, in 2 Samuel 23, worthless men who are all like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. Well, if I recall correctly, isn't Boaz described as a man of valor yeah. as well? And you think about, yeah. like, you know, take that out of the context of war, right? So he here is a real man. He protects women. He doesn't even know. Who happened to come into his his field? And widows. Widows. Yeah, he, yeah. he he takes care of them financially by being generous. Providing, sure. He is so personally successful and wealthy from his own hard work that he's able to employ people gainfully. Whom he is he, a leader. Whom he told to be careful don't, with them. Don't touch so them. He, yeah. he, he's a he's a leader who gives instruction. He leader leads by example. He, according to tradition, is the one who tells the people. You know, 
you know, in the greeting, you know, may the Lord be with you. And they respond back, may the Lord be with you. And the idea was he wanted to keep God on their lips, right? He wanted to keep the name of the Lord alive by, by having them use it in, a, in, a, in an appropriate, casual way. Right, right. Um, this is the guy who, um, when everyone else is thinking to themselves, isn't she a Moabite? I don't think we can. He's the one who stands up and says, no, this is my duty under the Torah, my responsibility. And no matter what it costs me in terms of social standing, I will marry her, and I will do what my responsibility is. His name is still in the Bible, and Plony Almonis is not. That's right. My point is to say that Boaz embodies all of these types of things that are good masculinity. Amen. Um, but it's not—it's not just in the context of, 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 of appropriate violence. It's also in the context of living a life that hopefully makes that violence not necessary. Well, I excellently put. I would put Abraham in the same category. Absolutely. Right? We could go through the same conversation that you just had about Boaz with Abraham, right? So, but Lot's been taken captive. 318. 381? 318. 318. 318. This is like, men, we have no choice. We have to go fight. Who will fight with me? Three, all of them come with him, and they go fight, and they win. Yeah, it's great. All right, a couple more. Proverbs 25, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Yeah, that's not true. There's, there's no boundary. There's no limit. It's pouring out. When I was a child, I spoke, with a, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So there, there seems to be a growth and there's a differentiation between the two. And I get the impression that the liberal mindset you talked about earlier wants to see and treat men in general like children. I see that in ads, right? So, you know, there's the dad and he's saying, you know, son, 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 and the, the son is now teaching the dad. Oh, dad, come on, you know. Like the dad's adult. You never see that kind of commercial where the woman is portrayed to be the adult. And of course, you've got 1 Corinthians 16. Um, I'm, I'm trying to summarize. We didn't get a chance to spar, but would, would you say that we agree that there is a such thing as toxic masculinity, but it may not be the same definition as the world is using? I, I want to kind of balance that on the self-control point. If, if there's a lack of self-control, or there are character traits that are out of balance, or there is violation of scripture with regard to childishness and so forth, um, yeah, I, since it's masculine, and it appears to be, in many cases, toxic to society, I'm more than willing to call that toxic masculinity. But to say that I agree with the general view that anything that's traditional about a man is therefore toxic, I, I can't buy that. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think we could agree with what it looks like, or maybe the definition of it, but not agree with the cause. Because <laughs> everyone unanimously misdefined what the cause was. <laughs> And, and which is which blows my mind because typical psychologists, when you, for instance, when you have a bully at school, 
A psychologist is the one that understands that bully, even though he's expressing this aggressiveness and he seems like really overly confident and, and really cocky, he's actually just really insecure. It's a psychologist that usually identifies that. So what boggles my mind is why a psychologist in this case misses the cause of that toxic behavior. Maybe it's the exact opposite yeah. of what real right. masculinity looks like. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to demonizing masculinity itself, which would, which in the right context, as Can we're preserve. saying, would preserve. Yeah, exactly. So I, that, that would maybe be how I would put that. They are misdefining. They're misdefining the cause. Yeah, yeah. As opposed, and but but we agree with what that looks like. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, there is a problem. I mean, how many of these uh, mass shooter types tend to be outcast, rejected, loners. loners, depressed, feel like the world's picking on them, feel like they're they don't have control of their own lives, all those types of things. And to your point, like if they've been pumped with a healthy sense of a healthy sense of self-esteem that comes from a strong personality, the, a sense good of assurance, models. good role models, a sense of assurance that, that self-reliance, knowing they don't need women or other men to respect them, to feel respected about themselves, that may have actually ended up being the cure, not the cause. Amen. So I, w I would argue that there were no, well, let me back up. The number of firearms in this country has always been extraordinarily high. In fact, in World War II, the only reason why the Japanese stopped at Pearl Harbor, their commander himself is in writing, on record, saying, we, no, we can't. We can't hit the mainland. There is a firearm behind every blade of grass. Behind every door, there is a firearm. There's always been firearms in our society in America. It's part and parcel who we are and how we are prepared to not only defend our country, but defend our country against enemies of the Constitution abroad and within. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. We're ready to take up arms against the government if it goes amok. So with that in mind, you have to wonder, what's changed in America over the past, I don't know, 60, 70 years? Is it the number of firearms? Or is it the way men are being raised? We never had mass shootings before. Kids would go to public school with their rifles, put them in the back of the schoolhouse, be taught, and then grab their rifles, go hunt some rabbits or something on their way home, and bring home food for dinner. This was America. And now we're just scared to death that a kid might get a firearm. And Johnny, who has no self-esteem, who doesn't have any positive role model in his life, who doesn't know what true masculinity is all about, and is probably watching bloody, gory, kill people video games all the time, goes out and chews up a Walmart. Why are we surprised? Wait, I think it was 1960-something. We decided that putting thou shalt not kill on the walls of our public schoolhouses was against the Constitution somehow. Holy cow. Final comments. You checking your email? I was trying to out. find this quote, and I can't remember what it was from, but it was basically one of those 
not good leaders was describing how you destroy America. And it's not from a, a obvious attack yeah. from the outside. Right, we'll kill it's you from within. It's undermining... Khrushchev said that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it, and, and one of the main things that it lists is you have to undermine family yeah. and the importance of family. Sure. And so I, I was trying to find that because I feel like that's a great example of what our enemies even notice. And why don't we notice that ourselves? Well, why aren't we supporting the traditional way a family should be? Why aren't we encouraging Family research council, you know, focus on the family. Dr. James Dobson said, we have a weak country because we have weak families and we have weak families because we have weak or missing fathers. Exactly. Well, and I think, yeah. to your point, was the classic example of the biblical uh, arch enemy way of destroying God's people. It's Balaam, right? Oh, Balaam yeah. comes against God's people. He can't even do magic. He can't win. So what's he say? Send in the women. Lead the men astray. That's it. And what was the answer? The answer was an ubermensch, masculine, pinkus, rising up, acting out the instructions that had been given by God yes. to cast judgment on those yes. who were doing something wrong and spearing the, the villain in and front of everybody. And his wench. Yeah. And, it, and it, what it appeared today to be toxic masculinity. And yet it saved thousands of lives. And the, and the follow-up to that, uh, or not to that particular situation, but I mean similar to that is, you know, it's like Aaron, right? There's death in the camp. Aaron goes and grabs the, the, the censer and runs in the middle of it. You got a lot of courage. Yes. People are dying everywhere. Let me go to the part where everyone is dying and stop there. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to close with a with a poem. Uh, I just presented poems this week. Yeah. Um, this is uh, from Poems for Patriarchs, and it's called uh, "How Did You Die?" And you guys have probably heard this, Joe. You may not have, but uh, we'll close with this. Did you tackle the trouble that came your way with a resolute heart and cheerful? Or hide your face from the light of day with a craven soul and fearful? Oh, a trouble's a ton, or a trouble's an ounce, or a trouble is what you make it. And it isn't the fact that you're hurt that counts, but only how did you take it? You're beaten to earth? Well, well, what's that? Come up with a smiling face. It's nothing against you to fall down flat, but to lie there? That's disgrace. The harder you're thrown, why the higher you'll bounce. Be proud of your blackened eye. It isn't the fact that you're licked that counts. It's how did you fight and why. And though you've been done to the death, what then? If you battled the best you could, if you played your part in the world of men, Why, the critic will call it good. Death comes with a crawl or comes with a pounce, and whether it's slow or spry, it isn't the fact that you're dead that counts, but only how did you die? I love that. It's a great one. I wish I could memorize it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for men of God, men of valor, men of courage. Father, it's hard in a in a suit and tie, to remember the valor and courage and fortitude that's necessary 
in the small areas of life, like honesty, forthrightness. and a sense of responsibility to one's family. Father, I pray that you would uh, work in the hearts of all of us here and all that are listening, that we would have hearts like lions, that we would not fear to move forward when others are falling behind. And with the sound of gunfire, which is rare, actually, in our city and time, that we would head towards that sound, that we would step up and be courageous and protect others. But more in line with regular day-to-day -day stuff, Father, I, I pray that you would find us faithful to be honest. Men of integrity, men who will stand tall, men who will not grin and snicker with the dirty joke, but will call it what it is and stop it. Men that, when they see injustice or racism or the battering of women or the discussion of such, will be counted as valorous men by you, Father. In a world that doesn't take up sword and dagger quite as often, I pray, Father, for myself that you'd make me an example that you would help the men at this table to be an example of what real masculinity is like. That toxic masculinity, out of bounds, with a loss of self-control, out of bounds, might be easy to define. And it's not masculinity at all. It's an aberration. I pray, Father, that you would sear these things in our hearts that we would be able to give a, a good defense and stand tall as, well, masculine men, strong and courageous. And I pray these things, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach Adonino, in the name of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. That was pretty good, actually. I enjoyed it. That was good. Yeah, it's good to reflect on that because it, it is it's you're just getting battered everywhere you go every yeah. show you watch every commercial it's it's tough it is i mean i i don't even you kind of get a little numb to it but then we have a conversation like this and you're like it's everywhere. when's the last time i've seen that portrayed on screen yeah. i can't I, I can't think of anything yeah. well the it's only is, here the when i see though, that yeah that I think that there is some pushback on that actually because I think you, what you've noticed lately um, are, I think there is actually more masculine men being portrayed on screen specifically because people are getting tired. I, I like to think less. that. I like to I think mean, It doesn't you know, take a superhero. Well, I was it takes a regular man. I feel like that's the only the context. Superhero. But no, well, I think about like... Well, which, is, which is inherently not reality. Well, no. Which is well, actually, that's the irony. The very first superhero in the, in the current series... Um, the Tony Stark Iron Man character who's a very manly man in every way in some ways not so good quite frankly um, his character is actually just a normal guy he's not actually a superhero at all right. he has a robotic suit that flies around in but he's just a normal person but think about shows like Poldark think about um, Poldark is good forever that was here's, cool here's a guy who is absolutely the epitome of being a gentleman 
and always wanting to be the virtuous man. But like, I mean, even, um, I know that's, I'm not necessarily endorsing all these shows and things, but just thinking about like, um, I feel like the shows, I, don't know, I feel like there is more of it than there used to be. Except obviously in, in categories like um, uh, comedy, I think tends to almost always put down men. Sure. But then also the other thing is, of course, anything that's trying to promote women tends to put down men. So like superhero movie where the female is the lead, most of the men in that show are what? worthless. Yeah. Not just 